You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Welcome to a new week, gentlemen. How are we today? Bruce, how you doing? Healthy and alive. Yeah, same as usual, thankfully. Fantastic. And we have Gavin joining us again. You were on a couple of weeks ago. How are you doing today, sir? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thank you. I could always be worse, but not much more. Well, count your lucky stars because I might surprise you on some of the things we're going to talk oh. about today. Uh-oh. But I wanted to bring you on specifically today because of what's actually brewing in the UK. And this is this is really interesting. I've taken quite an interest in this over the last 24, 48, almost 72 hours now. And the amount of growth that's coming out of this, this movement is um, it's fascinating. And watching it, I mean, watching it in real time. Uh, as I have been as much as possible. I mean, I turned my head for, I don't know, maybe an hour or something because I'm off doing something else. I come back and there's like 4,000 messages that I've missed. I mean, that's how that's how much wow. it's exploding. Uh, and mm-hmm. what's happening is that something called the Great Reopening. Now, we sit here all day and we talk about the Great Reset, Klaus Schwab and all those guys down there at um, uh, Davos. And, and that's fine. They can go ahead and get together and plan whatever it is they're going to plan because they're in their bunkers. That's the uh, that's their last stand. They don't have anything else. And we're going to talk about what's going on across Europe today. I mean, we can get into some U.S. stuff. I got a couple of U.S. things, but I, I wanted to talk specifically about what's going on in the U.K. I want to talk specifically about what's going on in the EU because they seem to be taking the reins on this and they're moving ahead. They're saying that's enough of this lockdown. That's enough of this um, uh, this nonsense with these masks and this social distancing. We're tired of it. So uh, let's uh, let's open up. Let's get back to business. We don't have time for this. So now you see the governments are trying to they're trying to save face more or less. But at the same time, they're also in the process of barricading themselves in, meaning they know the people are about to upend this thing mm. and they're going to need something to fall back on. But you're just now getting familiar with this group. Uh, as I had brought it to your attention, you said you've been trying to find it all day. Yeah. But they have been uh, they've been organizing. And you I wanted to get your your perspective specifically, because when we had you on a couple of weeks ago, it was uh, fantastic to, to get your viewpoint on things. Uh, and I said it was an open door uh, for you to come back. And I called Marty this morning and I said, we got to get him back on. As soon as I'm seeing this movement explode uh, with a great reopening, I'm like, we, we got to get him on, uh, back on because you're one of the people that we've had on in recent weeks that have been affected the most with all of this, with you know your small business being hammered. Basically, you've been more or less you've been put out of business but you, and you've been trying yeah. to adapt and change and you know trying to survive. I wanted to get your perspective on on this movement. Now, they're saying that this is going to happen six days from now. And this is what they've done in Poland. Po- the Polish have done this. The Polish, for those that don't know, the Polish have opened back up and they've lifted all the lockdowns because they came out, they organized, they came out, they opened all of their businesses simultaneously and they kept them open. And the government finally said, you know what? There's nothing we can do. We tried to close them. You know, they, they came in and they tried to close them back down and they were unsuccessful. And so they backed off and now they've 
cut the masks, they've cut the, the social distancing, they've cut the lockdowns, all of it. And the businesses are open. Same thing with the Italians. The Italians are, are now back in the process of opening. The government down there has been leaned on so much by the, by the people that it's in the process of actually collapsing. And the Dutch are not far behind. They're out, uh, they're out, uh, pro- I, wanna, I was going to say rioting, uh, but some opportunists have come along and tried to, uh, to hijack that. But we'll talk about that later. Uh, but they're out in the streets protesting today, and they actually went through and they burned down a COVID nineteen testing center. <laughs> it's kind of funny, you know. I, I don't believe in property destruction. I'm not that kind right. of person. Uh, but the uh, the other images that I've seen coming out of the Netherlands today, people jumping up on uh, up on uh, water cannon trucks because the government turned water cannons on peaceful protesters. That's what they did. Mm. You know, yeah. just like they did, like just like they're doing in Berlin. Uh, on, on the Germans. The Germans, they're just standing there and they come along with water trucks and start blasting them all. Do you understand how disgusting that is? Turning mm-hmm. water cannons on peaceful protesters. It's one thing if you've got people out there overrunning police lines and clubbing them over the head. But if they're peacefully standing there, standing for something, well, then you as a, as a government that are trying to keep people safe, how's that for keeping people safe? You hypocritical yeah. bastards, you. Yeah, but exactly. I'm I'm getting off topic here. Uh, I want to I want to get your take. Let's uh, let's go to you and your thoughts yeah. on this move or well this movement really uh, that's being taken at the grassroots uh, for businesses to open up. Yeah, I mean this this is great news uh, for us in the UK, and and I'm hoping that it's going to have a similar effect that it's had in other places. The the problem is, you know, I can see the it's the the importance really is to get everybody on board with this. There are going to be a lot of people that are too scared because they've had the fear pushed into them not only by you know thinking that you know if they reopen their business they're going to kill people's families it's also the the threat of these fines and and various other ridiculous behaviors pushed towards these people who literally just want to to earn a living and um i already had my business hammered even before covid19 somebody from the council came in to check all of my products and they said that there were certain products that i had which did not conform to eu regulations because obviously we're still still sort of semi in the eu then so i had to stop selling them and oh what do you know my best seller so that really cut my sales down hugely so i was sort of targeted by the local council there uh, never had any complaints about these particular items and in fact it's what brought most of my customers in the kids and the parents and then of course we get this massive basic decimation of my business i'm very lucky that i actually have an agreement with the owners of this property where and if i only if i sell it in that area will I have to pay? So I don't have like um, a retainer, if you will. I don't have an amount of money that I have to pay um, to keep my tenure. But I basically pretty much, I pay a portion of what I make when I'm in there to the people who allow me to use the, the, the building. So I'm very lucky with that. So I haven't been affected in terms of that, but I, I have had to rely on that money quite recently within the last couple of years as my only income. And of course, not being able to open the shop and also being told, oh, yes, you can. No, you can't. In, out, in, out. You know, shake it all about. In, out. You, oh, you can open. Oh, hang on. No, you can't. Oh, you can open for the next week. Oh, no, we've decided we're closing you again. And and the uncertainty is not good for one's mental health, of course, and nor is the, the lack of income. Because I don't have any children or anything, but I live with my partner and um, we support each other. And, you know, it's it, um, and I'm, I, I still feel like I'm one of the 
more lucky ones. There are certain people who just before the disaster happened, they put nearly, well, they must have put most of their life savings, if not all of them, into certain businesses, and they were just destroyed in front of their eyes. And today, the NHS in, I think it's today, in the, the NHS have released some, what I would only describe as propaganda. They are some images of people on ventilators, and it says, look in the eyes and tell these people that you always follow the rules. You know, looking looking these people like, and that's that is the, the memes. Most, I'm seeing yeah. the memes now of yeah, all of those. That, like, yeah, a, yeah, and that I mean that is the most disgusting blackmailing. I mean that is just awful. They need to be held accountable for that behaviour because that is evil and and nasty and. People and like you talk about the memes, Johnny. That people are are actually responding with other memes, saying, um, "Look this person in the eyes and tell them they can't eat." You know, look this person in the eyes and tell them that they have to close their business and that they that they have to kiss their livelihood goodbye. And this is what I I spoke about before when we when I was on last week or a week before was that you you cannot ruin everybody's lives to appease. Um, a minority or to apparently protect a small amount of people. The needs of the many always prevail over the needs of the few, and it's just utter madness. So I, I welcome um, this kind of behaviour. I think this is good for us because it goes to show that more people are waking up and realising that this is just not right and it's not fair and they shouldn't have to stand for it. And, I, and I'm all for this. I think it's great. And like I was saying to you before, I've joined the group and um, I'll be looking into it further and maybe even I might be able to reopen my business in a, a week or so. It'd be wonderful. Yeah, and it's... Um... It, it honestly, I mean, that's that's why I said it's time for this nonsense to stop because mm. I'm getting emails from people, you know, uh, corporations that I'm associated with that are multi-million dollar corporations, and they're like, we've been lied to th this whole mm. time. I mean, the businesses that were promised uh, loans, you know, by the government, yeah. Gavin, they haven't even they haven't even set up a system here for people to request that money yet. Yeah, that so never happened. That never happened. I I um I was uh on Facebook a while ago where they were actually advertising these loans. And I also, I do contract work for a company who have now gone bankrupt, who tried to apply for the loans and was con were constantly told no, no, no. And then you look in the comments uh, of these of this HM government advert, uh, UK government advert on Facebook that's advertising these loans. Nearly every person in the comments are saying, we can't, we couldn't get it. We applied, they wouldn't give it to us. And th there's also, there's, um, uh, I mean, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but there's there's a crime prevention group here in the UK called Action Fraud. And if you report that you have been a, a victim of fraud here in the UK, whether it's internet fraud or uh, somebody comes to your door or by post or email or something like that, and you've been a victim of fraud and you've lost money or you've lost um, your personal, you know, you've had your personal details taken, you apply to this company and they say that they will make an investigation. And 90% of their letters say, um, we've looked into the investigation, we can't take it any further. And I literally, uh, I became a victim of fraud uh, once because of my good nature. I was given a, a letter back from them saying, we, we've looked into it, we, we don't have sufficient evidence, we can't take it further. I literally gave them screenshots, the person's address the person's telephone number. I'd even spoken to the person. Oh, no, we, we can't take this any further. And I, I believe that, as you said, these certain organizations or ideas are put into place to appease people, or to fool people, make them think something is being done when it actually, in, in reality, it isn't at all. So I completely agree with you. I think there are several organizations out there that purport to be, you know, there to support, but they, they do not.
in fact. Yeah, and I think that they were banking on the fact that they could push this along and keep the fear going uh, even further, and they haven't been able to do that. And mm. now they're starting to, to backpedal. I'm seeing today, uh, and this is out of uh, this is out of your yeah, it's out it's out in uh, the UK government. They're saying that they have quietly extended lockdown or excuse me, local authorities lockdown powers until July 17th. Now I know you said I know I know you said that you were. Um, you know, expecting some good news. That's not good news. But see what they're doing. Yeah. I think I think they're redirecting. They're they're taking the pressure they're off projecting. of themselves. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they're insulating themselves and pushing it back onto the uh, onto the locales and then they can come back on it later. So mm-hmm. this is part of that um, uh, that process that I've talked about that Marty loves so much is called successive approximation, where they mm-hmm. will grab a hold of something. This is what authoritarians and tyrants do throughout history. They will grab onto something and they will try to control it. But when they don't or when they fear when they Mm. feel like they're losing control of it, they'll let off of it. But they actually won't let go of all of it. Mm. And so they'll come back to it later and they'll clamp down on it even harder. And I think that's what they're doing here is they're going to come back to it uh, later on. So they'll they'll relax it. They'll put it back on the locales. And then say, mm. oh, see, you know, you're, you're doing everything and, and this area is OK and and everything seems to be going well in this area. But then next year, when we get back to the cold weather spike, then they're going to say, oh, well, we're going to dial those PCR tests back up and see the World mm. Health Organization over the last few days. One hour after Joe Biden was sworn in office, the World, World Health Organization came out and said, yeah, those PCR tests, they give false positives 97 percent of the time. <laughs> I, you couldn't make it up. And miraculously, miraculously, New York, California, Seattle, Portland, you know, all the major cities across the U.S. that have been closed for months, Michigan, they're all miraculously reopening and reopening fully and fast. Funny that, isn't it? Funny how that works. It's a it's a it's a weird thing with the UK government. I mean, uh, and um, you know, I don't want to speak ill of my British brothers here, but there is a certain a certain mindset of British people where they don't like to lose face, and I think the British government are a perfect example of that. What they've done is they've made so many huge mistakes. They went about it from the start the wrong way with everything, and now they're in so deep that they're sort of clambering for the exit and they don't know what to do and they don't want to lose faith, uh, face sorry, because really all they need to do is put their hands up and say, okay, look, we're sorry, we effed up, you know, we've made a mistake here, we shouldn't have done this, we shouldn't have done that. And everybody knows that. Everybody knows that they've made huge mistakes, neglect, all kinds of things, but they will not admit to any of it because all they want to do is save face and they would rather that people lose their lives, lose their businesses and lose their mental health so that they don't have to apologize basically. And I was, I was actually, um, I was watching a really cool uh, video, which was recorded in UK Parliament, and it was um, this guy. He's a bit of a hero of mine. And he's a politician. Not they're not normally heroes of mine. I tell you that now. But he was saying, we really need to look at this from the outsider's point of view. We are on a good salary. We are able to. We are able to make connections with our family. We're able to do this, this, and that. But the the average man at the moment isn't. The average man at the moment isn't on a high salary. Isn't able to go out and see family and friends and doesn't have an exclusive club that they can visit to drink if they want to. You know, they can't go to a pub or a bar, you know, and the UK public are suffering and it's just not right. And, you know, you look look in the in Parliament, there's barely anyone in there, so you might as well be saying it in the mirror. But I've you seen know, it, yeah. At, it's it's yeah, ridiculous. At, yeah. But at least there are people, you know, who are saying they're on our side, a friend of mine says, well, talk is cheap. And it is. 
you know, actions speak louder than words, but we need to see some kind of action because, as you've already pointed out, Johnny, somebody will, um, well, I say somebody, but a, a large group of people will revolt and then, you know, we'll either have a civil war on our hands or the government and the powers that be will concede and just let us get on with it. I was saying to my family a while back, people get so angry about it, they'll just lose it and they'll just go about their lives and say we're not standing for it anymore. And the government won't be able to do anything about it. And they will, and like, like you said about Poland, they'll just go, oh, well, well, you know, we don't, don't have, have to apologise now. Yeah, <laughs> carry, carry on. on. We, we don't have to apologise um, because or say anything. We'll just hide because now they're you know, we we wanted to open the country, but we didn't want to say we were wrong. So, you know, we should just let them get on with it. And that's probably, you know, what I foresee at the moment, to be honest. But um, like I was saying uh, the other week is that what they'll do, um, they will blame a group of people every week or every month. This month, it was people wearing face masks in supermarkets who weren't wearing face masks in supermarkets. So now it's their fault. So the blame is pushed onto those selfish people who are going shopping without a face mask because they don't want to breathe through a piece of fabric or they have a, I don't know, they, it's uncomfortable to them or they have health problems and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, ne- I'm sure next it will be something else. Before that, it was the kids at school and the, the students and all that sort of stuff. So there'll be there'll be somebody else to blame next, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and you're not alone in thinking that. You've actually got some members of uh, of your own parliament, some MPs in there that are saying this. And one of them who's been a very outspoken critic of all this has been uh, Sir Desmond Swain. And I've been following uh, a lot of the things that, he been, that he's been saying. And when he first made the statements in parliament, I heard him talking about how the road that everybody was on leading down this this road of like, you know, vaccine passports, which they're announcing that in the UK as well, are these vaccine passports. And yet there's no there's no program to vaccinate people. It's like that that doesn't make any sense. So it's just more of the disarray. It's more of the chaos that they're moving forward with this agenda because they're out of time and they're scrambling to get it in place because they're not going to be able to for much longer. But Sir Desmond Swain has come out and he says, and this is his quote, he says, the British public will rise up and bring down the lockdown if an exit plan isn't outlined. And he's yeah. absolutely right. And so are you. He is. Uh, when yeah. you're talking about that. Yeah. He he is right. He is, and you know the the British public won't won't stand for it any longer. Um, Boris Johnson was saying on the news that um, they were going to try and implement this vaccination plan within a couple of months. Um, they're all they've already delayed the second Pfizer vaccine for people who have already had the first one, which is meant to be done in a certain amount of time, and they've extended that. So we we still don't know what effect that might have. It may not. It may not. Well, I mean, don't even talk to me about the vaccines, to be honest. But, you know, what they're saying is it, is it might um, it may not work at all if too long is left between vaccinations. People are saying they don't want the Pfizer one because they don't want the DNA meddled with. Israel are already saying that, you know, it's a bad thing, that the Pfizer one is, is awful and not to use it. And then so people are going, oh, well, maybe, you know, when they use the AstraZeneca one, the Oxford one, and then they're talking about a third vaccine. And it's it's all just up in the air. It's like they don't know if whether they're coming or going. They don't know their backsides from their elbows. And I, I posted this on Facebook a while back. Can we really trust a government who have completely and consistently dropped the ball over the last year? Uh, well, since time immemorial, as far as I'm concerned, but over the last year have constantly dropped the ball. Can we trust them to implement a vaccine program within a couple of months? No, we can't. And I don't believe that the end game in this is vaccinate everyone and then we can all go about our business. Of course it isn't. Of course it won't be. There will always be an excuse. 
oh no oh oh yeah well most people have had the vaccines but you know we don't know we don't know if yeah, you still gonna, got a lockdown yeah. you still got a social distance yeah. you still got to yeah, wear exactly. masks yeah. exactly yeah uh swain's comments uh have also gone along with a police commissioner over in the west midlands mr david jameson he says and he talked about this back in october we actually covered this and he said at the start of the second lockdown he says we're sitting on a ticking time bomb here because the well basically he says the uh it, well, I'll, I'll just quote him here. He says, we're getting very near the stage where you could see a considerable explosion of frustration and energy. Things are very on edge in a lot of communities, and it wouldn't take much or very much of a spark to set off unrest, riots and damage. And he's right. He's right. That, that, mm-hmm. I mean, people look, we're not designed to be locked down. We're not designed to do this. We're not prisoners. Now, I know this. You know this. Bruce, you know this. Our listeners know this. Right. Everybody seems to know this, except for the people that are in supposedly in power. And they're not. These people aren't actually in power. That's the worst part about it is they're being told what to do. And the people that are telling them what to do, they think all this is funny. Uh, And I'm not joking. They think like Schwab Mm -hmm. and company, the ones down there in Davos, the all these yahoos that are putting all this garbage together because of their great reset or their new normal or whatever in the hell it is they've got. They think all this is funny. They've stolen all the money. They're going to steal everybody's pensions. So uh, honestly, I think and, and I've heard people I mean, I saw a video today over in France. They are uh, uh, the police are out there trying to enforce it. And all the peaceful protesters that were standing in the park there, they all picked up snowballs and threw them at the police officers and uh, told them to get, you know, get lost. Now, I mean, that's not it, it's it's a snowball. Right. And look, the police and I know cops in I know cops in Canada. I know cops in the U.S. I know cops in in, um, uh, in Germany. I know cops in the U.K. And you know what? You're not going to have a future in this either. Your kids are not going to have a future in this either. So I guess the politicians, in my in my humble opinion, they're a lost cause at this point, trying to reason with these people, because if they gave a damn about fighting for we the people, no matter what country you come from, then they would be standing up and fighting. They are elected officials. They are public servants. They work for us. That's how it works. They do what we tell them to do. We don't do what we're told. There's a difference here. We've lost our way on that somewhere. We're yeah. governed by consent. And that's the end of it. That's the end of it. Yeah. I've always said this from the start is, that, you know, the governments were brought in to to help the people, as you're saying, and not rule over them. I mean, that was that's the job of monarchs. And most countries don't even have them anymore, you know, because the people rule the country. That's the point. And this is the problem is that the certain governments or most governments seem to be deluded in the fact they think that the country belongs to them. But it, there are a very small amount of people compared to the population of the country who actually do own the country. And as you were saying before, that, you know, what's the point in having a life if you cannot live it? There isn't. And a lot of people are going to take that literally and they're going to turn to taking their own lives because they can't see an end to it. If we can actually be given not even a date, but an idea when we can actually go back to normal. But instead, we're having, you know, things waved in front of us like a carrot to a mule oh well we might be able to you know get back to normal around this sort of time so people start oh great oh that's brilliant oh well yeah that's that's fantastic we'll we'll um we'll sit here and we'll wait until then and then that time comes around oh no another excuse but we might we might be able to go come back into normal this time or oh well we've got the vaccines now oh thank god oh oh let's call it v day oh we've got a vaccine oh these va- the vaccines yeah that's what the people that what saying in the uk <laughs> happy, happy v day when they when they announced the pfizer one oh happy v day i mean there's all these awful um, <laughs> daytime tv daytime tv hosts on the in the uk virtue signaling idiots 
Oh, happy V Day, everyone! Oh, here we are in in amongst V Day. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. It's a light at the end of the tunnel. No, it isn't. And if you think it is, I'm sorry. You really need to rethink yourself because it's not. It isn't. And as you were saying, and this, this is what I firmly believe: until we actually do something about this ourselves, we will carry on as we are. And all these people, these virtue signalers, who are saying, "Oh, it's not." Oh, it's not the government's fault. It's it's the, the people's fault. They're not following the rules. The more people that say that, the longer we'll be here for. And to be honest, I'm sorry, but I believe it's more these people's fault, uh, not the people who aren't following the rules. It's the government's fault. And it's the people who are slamming everybody else, the nosy neighbours, the finger pointers. They're the ones who are causing the trouble, as far as I'm concerned. I'm sorry. I know it sounds like that would be the obvious thing to say because I'm on the opposing side. But you know, exercise some common sense. Unfortunately, common sense is seems to be a dying thing, and and people aren't aren't using it. So if if a group of people go and watch a concert, and the singer is in front of them, they might potentially have COVID nineteen and sing over the crowd, and droplets might give all them COVID nineteen. And come on, think, think. You know, use some common sense. Don't be silly. That really don't mean no one is being held down and having uh, flu particles or COVID particles pushed up their noses. Uh, you know, if unless somebody has, as you know, is absolutely riddled with COVID-19, they come up to you and they sneeze into your nostrils or somebody sneezes next to you and you breathe it in or coughs in your face and you breathe it in. You know, oh, the, I, I was standing in, in the, the queue for a shop the other day and a woman's waving her arms around and myself and my mother are saying, what are you doing? I'm keeping my distance. Keep away from me. And this is what people, this is what the government have done to people. This is what the fear, the mainstream media and the government have done to people that pushed the fear and made people act and think irrationally. And this this is the problem that we're seeing. And until more people understand what is going on and start saying, no, 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 I will not stand for this, the more that we will be in this position for it's it's the trouble is it's a, it's a massive problem it's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy unfortunately and the government although they appear stupid in the uk are not stupid because they are controlling and dividing the situation perfectly to their advantage unfortunately sorry i'm 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 really ranting now <laughs> uh, apparently you haven't heard me some other days on here because i really get on one there was there's been times where i've sat up here gavin and i've gone on for an entire hour on a tirade haven't i bruce and yep. and I feel bad. I'm like, Bruce, is there anything you want to say on this at, at the end, right? <laughs> After I get done. And he's like, Nope, nope, you got it. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but no, you're absolutely right. And uh, it, it is the governments that are driving that fear aspect. And that's the agenda that they're playing here is fear. And believe me, my friend, I have a friend who lives in London, and he is exactly what you're describing. He is, thanks a lot to everybody else who, uh, who didn't do what they were told. Now we have to go through another lockdown. And I'm just sitting there and I'm scratching my head and I'm thinking, you really can't be this stupid. <laughs> you really can't mm. be this stupid, this naive. And they are, and they are. And it's, it, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a person that's that I've known for over 10 years now. And, you know, we've got a very good friendship and they just can't seem to get off of the BBC. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's all they watch. And it's like, man, come on. But um, the it, it, the trouble. Sorry. Go on. Go on. I was going to say that the trouble in this country as well is that the NHS is being used um, as, a, as a pawn, as as a um, as leverage, because the NHS has not been well managed for decades. And I was talking to uh, somebody 
on a, a public forum on Facebook, and they were an NHS nurse. And on this public forum, they sent a letter in to, to thank our brave NHS heroes, how wonderful they are and how hard they're working to keep us all safe. And I was pointing out several things like, look, it's not all about the NHS. People need to start thinking, yeah, let's all clap, that people need to start thinking about the people that are really suffering here. And it's not just nurses who have chosen their uh, profession and are working hard in ICU units if you believe that they're all full. Okay, It's not all about them. And I, I basically said, it's not all about the NHS, you know. And this NHS nurse jumps on and says to my mother, who also agreed with me, well, it, it will be all about the NHS if you get COVID. And I said, right, okay. Or if she does, she might just recover like 99% of the population who get it. And she was like, yeah, but she might not recover. She might not. And I said, look, you're moaning about how busy you are in your ICUs in your NHS job, yet you are pushing the fear engine right now. So what? You want more people to be scared? You want more people to come into your surgery and waste time thinking they have it or or being overly paranoid and getting scared? You actually want that, do you? And it's just like, again, like with the common sense, people just aren't using their common sense. You know, and all this this business about the NHS being so wonderful and using it as a pawn, let's protect our NHS. The UK um, government have not put money into um, the the National Health Service in the correct way for years. It's mismanaged. The last thing, and I'm, I'm sorry, I just to make this point here, because you're talking no. about that, the last thing that I heard that was actually going to be a, a boost for the NHS, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm. was what Boris campaigned on. He talked about hiring, what was it, like uh, uh, a whole bunch of new nurses. It was tens of thousands of new yeah. nurses. And that was the last that anybody had heard of it. And then, of course, yeah. everything went uh, went to hell with COVID. Yeah. And they, and they didn't do it. They di- He didn't hire the nurses. Um, because they couldn't afford it. And again, this was another excuse for closing the, the Nightingale hospitals. It was in the news. The reason why they, they closed the Nightingale hospitals, they couldn't staff them. And why can't they staff them? Because they're not, they will not pay these nurses enough money. All the money, um, and, and as I was about to say about the, um, the trust, or the NHS has been split into lots of different trusts who make a profit. So, you know, a lot of the NHS has been pretty much privatized anyway, because these trusts are making profits. Okay. And uh, a friend of mine, he had uh, a wife who unfortunately had terminal cancer. Unfortunately, she has passed away now. He was in, in the hospital with her. He got sent to a different part of the hospital to pick up some medication for her, and it cost him five grand. Okay. And he, he is meant, you know, this woman is meant to be being supported by our wonderful National Health Service, that, according to Boris Johnson, is Britain's biggest achievement. So, guys, have you got something that you think is your biggest achievement or something you cherish? Do you put a lot of time and, and put money into that thing because it's your greatest achievement? I felt my business was my greatest achievement. So I put a lot of time and money and effort into that. But did we? Did the UK government put a lot of time into their greatest achievement, the NHS? No, they didn't. They left it to wreck and ruin. They sold parts of it off and they are paying consultants and managers inflated wages of 50 grand, 40 grand a year UK pounds, which is higher than, than dollars. And, you know, they're not paying the frontline staff enough money. So, a lot less people want to be nurses. And then what happens? You're understaffed. And then you, you get more and more problems. And I said this, I think, before, I am utterly convinced that all of this will be used as an excuse to sell our National Health Service. And then we will be in the same position as the USA and many other countries who have to pay into an insurance plan or go without medication and care if they have no money. 
and it's that simple. And I'm I'm sorry, but they you know they've been gunning to privatise for years. They privatised our railways. They privatised various other public services in the UK, and it'll be going the same with the NHS because unfortunately for us. You know, ill people are a very profitable thing. There are certain heads of pharmaceutical companies who have said in the past, there's no profit in well people. So, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of money to be made in, in the medical care industry, and they want to capitalise on that. That's what will happen. I'm, I'm, I'm almost sure of it. So I've said it now for, for all the listeners to hear. And when it happens, you can go, oh, you're right, Gavin. <laughs> it's not much different than uh, what we deal with here on the in the US. I mean, as far as the prices and whatnot, you're saying there for the five thousand dollars for the medication. Mm. There, that is uh, uh, that's not uncommon from a story we would hear here in the US. And and the 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 big difference here is uh, like we we would pay a, a private insurance, right? Yeah. Whereas you guys basically pay a tax. So essentially, mm. you're doing the same thing. It's yeah. just the, the difference here is it's not. Because of Obamacare, Obamacare has totally obliterated our healthcare prices here. Um, they were bad to begin with, but since Obamacare, I remember the, the kind of insurance plans you could get. You would have everything covered, um, mm-hmm. and it was a reasonable price. Now you're lucky to get dental or, or you know, yeah. for, for a decent price here. I mean, it's ridiculous now, and that's thanks to Obamacare. And uh, as you said, it, it's there's a business there. It's it's profitable to. I mean, people are they get exploited all the time with this. Biden just ended one of the executive orders that Trump had done to reduce prices for insulin, and you know, so now insulin prices are going to go up again, and it's just. This is one of the reasons, uh, personally, I'm against uh, going, having our medical system go to government, you know, mm. socializing it, if you will, because once the government has control of it, they're able to use that as leverage, uh, as you were talking here. They, they can use mm. that against the populace. And that's one, I mean, for as bad as our medical system is, I would rather fix what we have and return it back to what it was than to go to a, a socialist system with risks like that. Because, you know, the other th- stuff we've talked about, like with um, social credit and those kind of things, when we start going into this digital dark age, government has control of it. And they'll just be like, well, your credit score is not high enough, so you can't get treated at this hospital or use this medication you have to go. Well, get. look what they're doing now. Look what they're doing now. If you're a business owner, you're not allowed to open. You're being bankrupted. Okay. If you're, uh, well, in America and in certain parts of the UK, um, I mean, I won't, I won't get into those names at the moment, but you know, some of your more prominent political figures, uh, if you will, that are not politicians, they're having their bank accounts canceled because of their political standing. Uh, since when do we do that? Since when do we do that? So that's what they're doing. They're outright canceling people. I was canceled, right? Marty was canceled. We had our, uh, well, social media wise, we were on Parler. They shut down the entire parlor network, the entire thing, without even, uh, you know, a, a thought. Amazon came along and said, yeah, um, sorry, that's a that's a network for, uh, you know, crazy conspiracy theorists and, and uh, violent extremists. Hello. I mean, that that's what they do. But uh, I wanted to touch on something that, that you'd mentioned here. You said if life isn't worth living, well, then a lot mm-hmm. of people are opting out. Um, yeah. And that's another thing that's that's off the charts with all of this uh, this lockdown stuff and, and the closure of businesses and things. And that is the business owners that have lost everything and haven't been able to reopen. That's what a lot of them are doing is they're yeah. taking that option. And it's, it's really sad. The suicides are through the roof. The suicides yeah. are absolutely through the roof. And again, they don't care. They don't care. And it's the same thing with school students. School students are the same way. The, the youth suicides are 
off the charts. They're almost off the charts because of this lockdown stuff. Kids are supposed to be in school. They're supposed to be in school. I mean, when, when you and I don't know if you played sports growing up. I mean, I, I did. I was a. I don't know. You don't. You don't have this in the UK, or you, maybe you do. You call it rounders, I think, but we call it baseball. I was a baseball <laughs> player. I was a baseball player yeah. growing up, and you play a sport. I mean, I played it for fourteen years. I mean, you. You know, you you have a shot when you start at a really young age. If you stick with it, then you can go pro in something. Whether it's football, mm-hmm. whether it's basketball, whether it's uh, rugby or cricket or or whatever. But you have a window of opportunity a very small one to get yourself into a position to be a professional athlete for the rest of your life. And you can't do that with this. You can't do that with this. They've shut down sports. What are you supposed yeah. to do? Yeah, they've reopened some of the leagues, but those are people that are already there. What about the ones that are out there to energize a crowd, to get the scouts there, to uh, to show off their talent in front of how big the crowd is? And, and believe me, the crowd actually influences the person playing the game. So all of that's been removed. Every, everything's been removed. So what, you're going to ruin the lives of all those people now too? So see, it's and I'm I'm well aware of the fact that it's a lot of small businesses, but it's more than just that. It's people that are trying yeah. to advance themselves in other areas. All this stuff has been absolutely decimated and destroyed. And and this is what what makes me the most sad, you know, because people people have said to me, well, what, you know, what, why are you why are you upset? You're, you're still getting a um you know a grant. Um, well, they're calling it a grant. You're still getting some money from the government so you can pay your bills. So what are you worried about? What are you worried about? And I said, well, I'll tell you what I'm worried about is at 15 years old, and just like you say, I was an athlete. I was a competent long jumper. I had a, um, at a very young age, I had a 100-meter uh, sprint of 11 seconds, which is, is only two seconds wow. um, above above the, the world record or around that that's sort good. of um, that's, area. That's good. And when I think of the incredible experiences I had as a child at 15, at 18, going to university, uh, getting degree, my degree, and all those wonderful things that I just, if if suddenly somebody had just said to me, stop, you can't do any of that now. And it, I remember I was out on a night out at university and the pubs were closed because there was a power cut along the high street where I was in this really quaint little town that I was going to at university. All the pubs were shut and everybody was so depressed. They were so upset because they're all looking forward to a good night. And I was saying to someone the other day, imagine that, but on a huge scale lasting 12 months, you know, it's just awful. And, and it's just, I, I just feel so sorry for the kids. I feel just awful for, for them. The up, bringing again a friend of mine who has to let her has to put her kid into care at the moment because i say care but daycare not care but i had to put her kid into daycare at the moment because she works full-time and so does her husband and, and she's classed as what we call what they're calling a key worker and she sends her child to school and they sit the kid in front of the tv for the day and he takes some books in and, and i mentioned this before in the, in the previous podcast they take his books away because in case they the books pass on covid but you know, if he's the only one touching them, what's the problem? Not that there would be a problem because it's all rubbish anyway, but no, the, the person who's running the class or whoever it is, a support teacher or janitor, God knows who they're getting to do it, is taking the books away. So they're touching the books anyway, you know, but they, they're taking his books away and then he goes home crying to his mum and he's about four, five years old. You know, it, it's not, this is not going to have a good effect on on people. I, I work um, in Southampton in England. We've got a very cosmopolitan demographic in our in our city. There are people who are, are very, very wealthy. There are people who are at the, at the bottom of the wealth chain. There are people who have mental and physical health problems. And I see all sorts of people on a daily basis because I work in a business where I, I sell exciting things to people, books and stories and 
and that is a form of escapism. So I see a lot of people with a lot of different mental needs and, and things like that. And I think, oh, God, that there are so many of these customers I'm getting who have you know, mental or, or physical needs or problems that they need to get through. And I think this is only going to get so much more worse because people are having the feeling of isolation ingrained into their into their humanity at a young age. What's the best way to teach a child something? Teach them as young as possible. How do you create an incredible musician? You teach them music from a very, very young age. But teaching children that other people are dangerous to them, that everybody is dangerous to them, and not to get too close to anyone, it's going to take a very short period of time to put that impression on the child, but it's going to take forever to take that away from someone. And someone may never, ever let go of that. So they, it may have ruined their social skills for their entire life. And that is one of the things that really scares me about all of this, you know, is that people's behavior is being played with at a very, very young age, people's futures. And that is just, you know, the tip of the iceberg with all of this, really, that's just one of the, the potential and well, one of the problems that we're already seeing, and it, it scares the hell out of me. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the long term effects of it, like you're talking about. Uh, that's that's what's going to be the, uh, the the biggest thing about all this is the amount of psychological damage. And you know, you cannot. I'm sorry, but you cannot. When it comes to fixing this problem on the other end of this, you can't put a price on that. The mental damage you do on people, the mm. trauma you've put them through, and and I feel so sorry for these people that are out there that I see. <laughs> Gavin, I see these people driving in a car alone with a mask on. <laughs> it's oh, just, God, it is, I, can't, I can't bear I it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I was sitting. I was sitting at a. I had to go out the other day. I was sitting at a at an intersection. I was in the car. I was I was driving to uh, down to the shop. I had to get some stuff. I had to get some groceries. And as I was sitting there, of course, you know, stop sign. So I had to wait. And I see cyclists coming through, masks on, cycling with masks on. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and I'm they're looking at me. And I'm shaking my head at them like, you know, are you out of your mind? And, you know, just off they go. They keep on going. And it's it is the it is the most sad thing to see. And these kids, these kids, when you see and I know that in a way they're well-meaning parents, you know, they they're they're walking down the street and they just they're so unaware that they think that they're doing the right thing because that's what social media and that's what the TV's told them to do. And yeah. they're masking up their kids. And there is no evidence, none. To suggest that this is a major problem with kids. None. It's just it's fear, it's hysteria, and all the rest of it. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, I was just going to say exactly on what you said about these people sat in their cars with the masks on. Um, I, I took a short walk with my partner recently um to a, a neighboring village and you know a, a one hour of exercise mandate per day or whatever it is we're allowed now god knows 10 minutes and we're walking along a a very um trying to explain the best i can in the uk you have some lovely villages where the houses do not have gardens at the front so they're right on the pavement and as you walk along you have all of these doors a bit like um uh some of our american listeners will may have seen on tv in yorkshire when you walk up like a yorkshire street you have the road very close to the front doors of the houses no front gardens so as you walk along if the people have their their windows open or their, their curtains open you can see right into the houses basically and we will walking along this road and I was conscious of a man sat in his front room watching the telly and as anyone curious individual human being might be thought oh just turn to my left and have a look and see into the house because sometimes you're like oh I wonder what the houses are like down here inside I turn to my right, left and yeah. there's an oh, <laughs> there's a 
just me then. <laughs> but there's, I turn to my left, and there's an elderly man sat watching the television. No one else in the vicinity in a large oh, don't living say room. It. Don't, don't say it. Don't no, say it. No one around. And this, yeah, you know exactly don't, don't what I'm saying. I, I know what oh, Don't say it. Elderly man sat there slumped in his chair watching television with a mask on. And oh, you know it's a mask. Even, even if even if you can't see through the window properly, you know it's a mask because it's one of these light blue surgical things. So you know, you know what it is. He was sat there in front of a telly with this mask on. And I say to my partner, I can't I cannot believe it. And she's saying, Well, well, you don't know he might be visiting someone. I'm like, well, he's not meant to be <laughs> if he's that worried. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, is he, he's maybe worried. maybe he's doesn't have his support bubble today. Maybe <laughs> Well, maybe, but I I mean that is just it's just silly. It, it's just ridiculous. And um, I, I think it was a, there was a satirical a comedian in in the UK saying about people about people jogging and and saying, oh no, people shouldn't be out jogging. But you can go. This was in the early days. People shouldn't be going out jogging. But you can go out and sit on a bench for a little while to get some fresh air. And he was like, but surely the people who are jogging are constantly moving. They're not staying in one place. So they're not potentially like infecting themselves. Like in one place the jogger's actually moving so he's moving away from people <laughs> like what you know what i mean and it's it's just the same thing it's like why on earth when there is obviously even if there is uh, this killer virus floating out there in the ether still use your common sense is there any chance that you could get it while inside your own car driving up the road or in your own home sat there watching television no there isn't but again like you said before this is just the irrational fear that has been pushed into people and they're losing all common sense i think it's going to get me it's going to get me uh, a, a colleague of mine one she's um, I say a colleague of mine, uh, an acquaintance of mine who I no longer speak to, and perhaps the reasons for that will become obvious, was going on about how she was such a hardworking key worker. Well, she's a chiropodist, right? So she cuts corns off people's feet. How she was a key worker. She said, oh, we've, we've had some tests at work. We've had some tests. Mine was negative, but I know I've had it. I've definitely had it. You know, these people want to be part of it for some reason. And I, I just don't understand you know, the mentality of it. People want to be part of of you know the the terror and the and the fear for some reason it's a status oh, they like, it's a yeah status like, they feel like they're missing out you know oh i've got oh, i've got a friend who's had it oh yeah it was terrible oh i know oh, i know loads of people who have had it it's, it's awful it's awful people are dying people, stay at home stay at home oh sorry i'm just again I'm, no I'm just, I Hey, <laughs> believe me, believe me. I mean, you're you're calm compared to how I behave on here most days. <laughs> believe me, and I'm sure the listeners are happy to not hear me scream uh, up here, and uh, I'm sure they're happy to, and especially all the new ones. By the way, welcome to all the new listeners. I know we've had a lot of new subscribers over the last week or so, and and it's great to have all of you here. Thank you all very much. It's been an absolute pleasure to uh, to grow this platform as much as we have and get the different points of views and. Uh, to your point there about the, uh, the the COVID status, I mean that that's what people want. Is it's turned into this this social media thing where mm. they go out and they say, "Oh, I got tested, I got tested, I'm negative," but I, I might go back later on this afternoon because it might be positive then. And then if they have it, well, then it's you know it's paraded around like, "Oh, I've got it. I know somebody that's had it." But have you known anybody that's died from it? See that that's that's what it's all about. Is it's just it's become this status symbol, and now you see. Of course, with the vaccine, you've got prominent people out there pushing it. I saw a thing the other day, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everybody knows Arnold, right? Everybody knows Arnie. He was out the other day. I saw a video of him, and I, I've got the video right here somewhere. I'd have to get it, but I, I think I saved it. But he's going through one of those drive-through vaccination places, 
And as he's going through, he's, of course, he's in the car with his mask on and everything. And the nurse walks up and gives him the vaccine. She's wearing a face shield, goggles, a mask and full PPE, right? Like, <laughs> like she's like she's working at a, at a hospital ward in Pripyat after Chernobyl or something. And she's giving him the vaccine. And as she's giving him the vaccine or swabbing his arm and then giving him the vaccine, he's explaining to everyone about how getting a vaccine is going to save your life. It's going to save everybody else's lives. But there was a problem. If you slow the video down and catch it at the right time, Arnold, bud, <laughs> if you're going to get vaccinated, you need to take the cap off the needle, okay? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Brilliant. So it's just it's, this, it's it's theater. It's political theater. Mm. That's what we're watching. We're watching yeah. the greatest production ever made. Mm. Yeah, it's a shame, really, because Arnie's sort of, for many years, been one of my idols, and I don't like to hear or see things like that because it makes me, you know, you know I like heard, these I, people less. Yeah, I heard this week, <laughs> I, I, heard, I heard a person say this week, do yourself a favor and don't ever meet one of your heroes in person. Yeah, this is the problem. I pulled that video up. It's on his Twitter. What happens is she does actually take the cap off the uh, off the syringe. But if you watch, she takes the cap off and is holding it in her fingers on one hand. And then she braces that hand up against his arm. And then you see her slowly sticking it back into the cap and then mm. making it look like she. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, yeah, it's um, it, it's really sad. It's really sad to, to see all this. But, you know, in the coming days, I'm, I'm really anxious to see how this is going to play out uh, in the UK. I want this movement to be successful, this great reopening. I want that to be successful. I want the British people to open their businesses. And bravo to the Northern Irish for organizing it. It has now exploded across the UK. And they have got uh, people organizing in all the major UK cities down into Wales. I don't know about the Scots, though. I think the Scots are staying hard locked down. I haven't heard anything about that, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me. But this is uh, this is something that they're organizing. They've got people that are running it. They've got flyers that they're circulating, and it's all being done very quietly, but not quietly if you know where to look. And I was talking to Marty earlier today, and when I was talking to him on the phone, he said something about, and I was explaining all this stuff to him. I said, man, this movement to open businesses has just, it's exploded. And he said, has it really? And I said, yeah. And I was telling him, you know, everything that uh, that's going on with it and everything that I'm seeing with it. And I said, I, I got to get uh, I got to get you on today, uh, Gavin, to, to talk about all this. And mm. because there's a lot of people that are probably not even aware of it. Uh, and it's just going to get sprung at the last minute. And, uh, and it needs to happen. But they're being told, well, excuse me, you're being told, at least from what uh, Marty was telling me this morning, you're being told on the TV, he says, what's going on with the French health system? We're being told it's on the verge of collapse. And it's it's actually it's not. If you want to call it, if you want to call it that, then that's fine. But what's actually happening in France? The nurses and the doctors in true French fashion, they've they've gone out on strike and they threw their PPE and their scrubs out into the streets. And you say, OK, well, the police will come along and they'll uh, they'll scoop them up and they'll put them into a courtroom and charge them. Well, no, because the lawyers went on strike, too. They threw all their briefcases out in the streets, too. <laughs> so the thing is, is it's happening, right? The push is is coming uh, and it's coming in such a massive wave that that these these governments, these national governments, I think, are going to get smacked upside the head with it, politically speaking. Hi, Ned. It's good to see you. No, guys, I think the big uprising that you're talking about is because they've come to, well, one of two things. The governments are going to get a good kick in for not telling all the small businesses that it was going to take at least 18 months when they knew from in the beginning. So there's chance of being their ass sued off, which every one of them deserves it. And the other thing is um, this, this COVID is going to go 
way out of scale and people are going to use it to stop you going across countries. And this is what the French don't want. This is what the people don't want. They don't want it to become an isolationist thing. It's got, it, it, they don't want it to become mandatory. But you're right, though. You're, you're right, quite, though. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's going to be, you're already seeing countries that are now coming out and they're rushing to get this, this uh, vaccine travel pass thing uh, in to go to, to go to countries. And you know something? That's going to have to be part of this movement as well. People are going to have to stand up and shout that down because the tourist industry is going to get smashed. They're the well, ones that are going to be the lockdown next or into the lockdown what, what next. Is the, what is the one biggest unlicensed business out there that isn't really watched over that will really take the money in is the insurers? If you want to step outside the country, they're waiting for the governments to make it mandatory to say, have you had a vaccine? No. Well, you're not medically covered. And the insurers will screw you to the floor. They will be the next ones on the case. And it's going to be a vicious circle. You've got to have choice. You've got to have um, freedom of movement. Why? You've still got cold. You can still get flu. You can still get COVID. If you think about it, NHS England said, what was it? It's 80%. Well, they've said a lot of things. (laughs) No, no. 80% chance that this will cover you for the COVID, but you can still be a carrier and transmit it. So what is the point? Mm. So you're going to go out there and you're a walking what? You're, you're like, well, I've had it, but I can still catch it, this new strain, and I can still transmit it. You're still so, a silent killer. You're still a silent killer. So, so no, it, it's not a matter of being killers. COVID is out there. It, he it's was one being of those sarcastic. things that affects, it, it, <laughs> it affects, yeah, sorry, it affects those people that aren't healthy and it's because the state has created especially within europe and britain there is a lot of unhealthy people there they think they are but they don't eat correctly and their imbalances are in their body and they go and they will go down and it won't matter whether they're 12 20 30 40 upwards and they just do not know how to look after themselves on the basic level i think it's been created that yeah, I think it's been one of the biggest aspects of all this has been the absence, the complete absence, not just a little bit, but the complete absence of therapeutics and eating healthy and being in shape and, and taking care of your body. That hasn't been mentioned at all. Not one bit. It's just been shut up, wear a mask, lock down, social distance and wait for a vaccine. Oh, by the way, we're going to steal your life away. That, that's what it's been. <laughs> There hasn't been I mean, any talk about uh, about vitamins or or minerals or, or trace minerals or, or supplements or uh, exercise, proper exercise. None of that. None of that. Do, do you know oh, you're actually but, supposed to? Uh, honestly, I mean, nutritionists, personal trainers, all of them tell me this. You should do cardiovascular workouts at least one hour a day, at least. And and when I say that, I'm, I'm talking, they say you should run at well, least, at least 1.6 kilometers a day or one mile per day. Minimum. Well, 45, minimum. 45 minutes, 45 minutes. And then over that, you're sort of wasting your time if you've had a good workout because you've achieved, you've achieved your sort of, you've achieved, achieved a certain level. If you're doing now, a good wait a workout. Minute, wait a minute. I do 45 minutes to an hour, roughly. I do 45 yeah. minutes to an hour weight training. And then I do 10 kilometers on, on a bike or, or on a run. Yeah, fine. It doesn't really matter. If you achieve 45 minutes of a good workout, you have achieved a level that your body is quite happy with. Everything else is like excess and extra. So they, they don't have to do a lot, but they have to do good, if you know what I mean. That's the problem. You have to for weight good. for um, weight loss, which is good as well. And I know this probably isn't really relevant to the podcast. It's not fitness podcast, but well, actually, <laughs> we 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 cover a variety of things here. We've talked about personal fitness before. No, no, seriously, go ahead. 
I was speaking to a doctor recently. He said that your liver stores a certain quantity of glycogen, uh, which is like the bare sugar that gives you gives you energy, which you've stored from food. And if you do over 50 minutes of exercise, that glycogen will completely deplete if you don't take in any sustenance after that. So if you're wanting to lose weight, if you do 50 minutes uh, of exercise, that glycogen will probably have been depleted and then your body will use your the your fat reserves that are present on your body to um, give you the energy to do the other tasks and therefore that's how you will lose the weight and i found that really really very useful um when when he was telling me about it and i did use it uh that um ethos after that when working out and it was very very successful so i think um what ned's saying is absolutely right i think if you're um you know a lot of people think they're healthy but in actual fact they're, they're not um and um and then and then they use these awful flawed things like bmi where again where they're convincing people they're overweight when they're not you know i hate yeah how can how can that work yeah i mean i went through a spate of as i was growing up i did gymnastics i mean we were quite active as kids and i did gymnastics i did high box display team i i became a rugby player till i was 34 and your body mass index if you are an athlete, will outweigh everything. And they'll go, oh, look, body mass index. Hang on, there's no fat on you. Uh, you're a yeah. fat bastard. Excuse yeah. my French. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't It just doesn't add up. You, um, it is ridiculous. It's, uh, I must admit, um, I think it was, when I, when I turned half a century, I went into the mandatory. Uh, actually, I went in because I had an ear infection and um, into the local surgery. And I said, look, guys, I know what you're going to give me. You're going to give me the top medication because you won't take a swab because the net- nothing gets sent away. And then you'll go, take this. So it'll only take 10 minutes in and out. And then I found out that, yes, you're half sick. Would you like to come and have a chat? We'd like to have a chat about your lifestyle and things like that. So I went in to another room after... For an ear infection. For an ear infection. They wanted to know, well, what what I basically do as my basic lifestyle. And so I went into this room and there's this lovely lady there, but she filled the chair and she was a nurse and she sat in front of her computer Mm. and she went, and (laughs) what do you do, sir? So I went through, well, basically, I mean, I go to work, uh, I take my daughter swimming, I do cycling, I do this, that, whatever. And, you know, I just went through whatever I did, she goes, oh, you're active then. And I really wanted to say something to her because she looked like she was ready to have a heart attack, you know, physically. And I went, oh, I'm active then, am I? Yes, the computer says you're active. <laughs> and I just went, uh, that is the age we're living in. Yeah. I mean, I really didn't want to go into, well, we shall we compare lists? Yeah. She's not really setting a good example as a doctor, is she really? You know? Well, no, no, there was just, <laughs> it was a nurse. But, I mean, it was just ridiculous because that is how the medical system works. Mm. And it is, it was, it was quite sad, actually. A similar, a similar thing. When I, I worked at sea, I had to have a, a medical every couple of years called an ENG1. Um, and I had to go and see, a, I had to pay, actually, I had to pay £60, I think, go and see a, um, a doctor and they would look at you and he would, he said, uh, oh, you've, you've lost a considerable amount of weight. Well done. Because at the time I was trying to lose some weight, and he said, um, "But um, you, according to your body mass index, is still uh, still a bit overweight." And um, you know, 
I, I and and he but and then he compared me to himself, and he was he was quite a slim guy. And I said, yeah, but can you bench press two hundred and twenty pounds? And he went, oh no no no, you're obviously you're stronger than me, but you know you really shouldn't be as big as you are. And I thought, well. You know, people are people are also different shapes. You know, I mean, where he's he's from metabolisms exactly, exactly, yeah. And I, and I just thought you, you really, I'm. And I said to him, I'm surprised you're still using BMI to be honest, because it, it's. I mean, it's it's like the um, it's like what the UK scientists are using at the moment. It's all mathematics and no common sense. You know, you can look at someone and you think, okay, perhaps you should lose a bit of weight or you should do this or whatever. But just putting some calculations into a a calculator isn't always the way to do it, or a formula is not always to work things out. There isn't there isn't any there is only one set formula for dieting and everything in life. And my mother's still alive; she's ninety nine. My dad got a bit bored at about 86, and I think he just copped it out of spite. But they're very healthy, yeah. They would eat anything, everything, cook anything and everything, but you didn't overdo it. And the point is, you can eat anything. We are designed that way. We are omnivores. The trouble is, if you go on a diet, or if somebody tells you to go on a diet, it is changing your way of life. Because if you go on a diet, diets generally miss something out, yeah? And it is, then you always have this psychological twitch, like you're missing something. Mm. And where normally your body will take in a certain percentage of something if you're eating it all the time and it gets used to it and it finds its own balance. If you deny it something for a while, when it initially gets that again, it's going to take a big whack out of it. Therefore, you are keeping yourself at an imbalance and it's not good for you. It's like swinging too far one way than the other. You've got to find a happy medium. And the idea is just don't overdo it. Just enjoy it. And, and I, th- I, think, um, I think Daniel Craig put it really well when he was talking about how he, you know, he looks so good in the Bond films. And he said, have the extra chocolate dessert if you want. You know, eat, eat sugary things, eat what you like, but just be prepared to do some exercise as well. It's yeah. that simple. It's all about exactly as you said, it's about balance. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So let's uh, let, let's. I tell you what. Before we jump out of here, Ned, I want to ask you about this. Have you heard anything about this movement that's building uh, across the UK? It started in Nord- Northern Ireland, and it's caught fire all across the UK. It's called the Great Reopening. This has been going. This has been building up slowly for a while. That businesses want to open up. I'm waiting to see how far it goes and if it needs to actually get to an avalanche level because it's people actually crying out and saying look, if I'm to survive, I need to open my doors. And people will behave properly. People will do whatever. This is getting a bit way out of the top. And there's people giving it, you're not actually looking after us as a state. They're not. I mean, they've probably been given money that they have to pay back. And they realize that most of them have got to that tipping point where if they don't actually do something, and even if they do, they're going to be paying this back and it's going to take them a while. So they're in a bad place and their actual people, their servants of the public have put them there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's been a total political mismanagement. So we'll wait and see. That's all I can say. But things have started. Yeah. And it's a step in the right direction. I was mentioning earlier, the, the Polish have done this and and the government, after 24 hours of trying to start to go in and close the businesses back down, finally just said, you know what, the hell with it. And and they lifted all the lockdowns and everything. And and they're back to back to work, back to business. Excellent. Um, same thing with uh, the Italians. Uh, I just just within the last five minutes. Well, yeah, the Italians, the Italians. I mean, they, they just said, uh, here's what they did. They decided the, the restaurants, they had 50,000 restaurants down there that said, we're going to open. And so they opened 
opened up, but they didn't have any stock. They had wine and and some drinks, you know, coffee and you know water and things like that. That's all they had. And so what did the Italian people do? They right. came out of their houses. They took their they cooked their own food at home mm. and they took it to the restaurants and they sat down with their friends and their families at the restaurants and the cafes and they had their meals and they bought Super. wine and drinks and things from from the, the establishments because they Excellent. still had the stock. And when the police showed up to shut it down, all the customers stood up, walked over to the police and ran them out of there peacefully and they left. Mm-hmm. And that's what needs to happen. That right there is what oh, needs yeah. to happen. You know, I think it would be in the police's best interest to jump on board with the winning side here because it's not too late for them yet. Mm, it's not so, a matter of the winning side. It's on the side of It's on the side of right. It's on the yeah. side of right it's, and goodness and, and righteousness. Yeah. I mean, that's that, in my opinion, I'm not talking about right left. I'm talking about the side of being right yeah, about correct. something. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, in the right place with a bottle my of father, wine. Um, with my father. With a bottle of wine, got- yeah. <laughs> My father, God rest his soul, always said the law is based on fairness. And I think that sums it up perfectly because it's not at the moment at all. And if you look at something, you know, if you look at everything is going on, the underdog is is being treated so awfully with these rules or laws or policies, whatever you want to call them. And the law seems to no longer be based on fairness. Is it fair? And I said this in the last podcast. Is it fair that every single person, nearly every single person in the UK has to suffer to keep safe or look after a, a very small amount of people? And I know I've said, said it exactly the same thing over and over again, just in a different way. But it still all boils down to that to me, is that you cannot ruin the lives of everyone for the few. And that in itself is not selfish, not the people who are not apparently following the rules. You're selfish, selfish. You you saw your grandmother at Christmas. You're selfish. Mm. No, it's not. That is not selfish. It is selfish to expect everybody to ruin their lives, put themselves into poverty to appease or to protect a small group of people. And that's how I feel. Yeah. At the end of the day, it boils down to one thing, choice. Yeah. The thing that they're trying to remove is choice, community. Yes, it'll be hammered into people. Yes, the fear's there. Yes, they think this amazing killer plague is out there. But you've got to remember that even after the First World War, 50 million people died in the world, right, from the flu that came out. Yeah, and flu is not COVID. It's totally different. This vaccine doesn't work against flu because basically if you need to be inoculated to see somebody that's on a suspect zone and you want to be free that you have to have the flu jab and then later eight days later because it's got to be at least seven you have the first covid then the second covid and because people have been pressured into it if they know people with cancer or problematic things they've got to go through that to be allowed to see them even if they totally disagree with it they're pressured into that i know at least one person that's had to go through that which they've agreed to because they want to see that person because that person's in a sorry state and this is being used and abused whether that person is going to be affected or not is something else covid has been around this and it's in some form or other because it is related to the common cold and it is a more virulent strain and it has gone across different species and that is the problem but it's there and no matter what even if it kills 10 million people in the world, it's still not as bad. And we're doing it ourselves by shutting each other down, creating our own Petri dish in our own little gatherings and brewing this. Yeah. So it's not helping the situation. It never does. They know it spikes when you come out. 
and whatever, because we're creating a situation. And because you can still be a carrier, even though you get the vaccine, why didn't you just go for herd immunity straight off? Mm -hmm. Because it was a case of we can't cope with it. So they're going to mess the people around. Okay, if you can't cope with it, with your medical systems, even if that it was true or not, if not, you don't have to look after the people. You don't have to ruin their lives. That is your job as a servant of the people. That is what you're there for. You're voted in. Look after them. Find a way to look after them. Not persecute them. Not threaten them. Not yeah. put the fear of everything into them. That is not your job. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Amen to that. But yeah. Sorry, didn't mean to preach. Not at all. No, completely agree. No, I don't. I don't think you. Uh, I don't think you're preaching at all. You know, I. I was. Um, I was actually telling somebody earlier today that you know, even though I, I get up here and I, I rant and I rave and I. I go on these tirades and I. And I'm screaming and yelling about these things. And I'm, you know, somebody that. Uh, <laughs> You know, I get really upset with all this stuff, just like all of us do, from just the witnessing the people that are are being beat down over this and and can't see through this. I look at it as we're only saying what a lot of people are thinking, but oh, yeah. a lot of people don't have the means or the the opportunity to come on to a forum like this and address those uh, those concerns. And so in address. I said, and address those concerns. <laughs> um, no, yeah, and address. Yeah, I got you. You know, Ned, we advertise this no nonsense. That's nonsense. We got to be serious around here. <laughs> but no, it's honestly, I think the, the frustration is there. The public is what the, uh, the police chief in the West Midlands said. It's a ticking time bomb that's just waiting to go off. And yeah, uh, and and, right. it, and then it will be that avalanche that you're talking about. And so I listen to all of these uh, these losers up there in, in government and, and all the rest of them, you know, these these morons that are down there like Schwab, these these sick ideologues that are talking about uh, this this reset crap. And, you know, I don't know. Gavin, have you ever heard this guy that we're talking? We keep talking about this guy, Klaus Schwab. Have you ever heard this guy? Do you hear what he has to say about this great reset stuff? Yeah, I, I watched a video, actually, that the. Uh, the Great Reset interview where they talked about it. And I, I couldn't quite believe what I was hearing, to be honest. But yeah, I watched, I think it was an hour long video or slightly shorter than that, um, that mm -hmm. was released recently. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I thought, what on earth is this guy talking about? Um, in his yeah. own words, in his own words, right? And you compare this to, to failed social experiments and, and tyrannical rule over the 20th century. I want you to listen to what this guy has to say. This is him talking about this Great Reset. Listen to this. Some people may say this is too idealistic, um, but what other choice do we have? At least we have to try. Uh, we may fail, and um, next generations, or even we ourselves, will have to pay the price for our failure. At least we should try. See, he's already saying it. He's already saying it in his own words. He, he even says that, I mean, th that was that was months and months and months ago. That was well over mm. a year ago. He said that on a podcast that they did yeah. on The Great Reset. And he says, well, we might fail. And, uh, you know, we ourselves we might have to pay the price. Son, you're going to pay that price. Mm. You are going to be held to account in a court of law for what you're doing. Oh, believe me. Believe me. And all these little pieces of garbage you've got and all these governments and everything that are doing your bidding, they're going to be held accountable too, to the letter of the law. And we're going to do it justfully and we're going to do it peacefully. And here's the thing. Guys like him, he's sitting there making those claims. And we played a clip of him here the other day and he says, well, yeah, because they've got their conference coming up starting tomorrow. And he says, we're going to work on restoring trust, restoring trust. Klaus, let me tell you something. You can't restore something you didn't have to begin with, sir. 
take note of that. All right, gentlemen, we're way over on time, but uh, Gavin, always a pleasure to have you on. And yeah, thank it you. Is, Appreciate it. It is, um, it is an open invitation. You are welcome back here anytime. I've told uh, all of you guys from the UK that uh, it's an open door. You can come on here uh, any any night of the week if you like. Uh, it doesn't matter. You're welcome to, to jump in and sit down. You can come in and monitor if you want, take part in the discussion, add your two cents. Uh, happy to have you here. Ned, you as well. Uh, always a pleasure to have you thank on you. here. So love getting your guys' perspectives. So um, for those of you who would like to follow us on Telegram, we would highly recommend that you do so because podcasting is going to be next on the chopping block if this agenda continues on. We would highly recommend you go over and you download Telegram, join up, and then join our channel. You can search for us when you get over there. You can search for Dynamic Independence. We'll pop right up. Not only will we be mirroring our podcasts from our normal platforms, but we will also be doing an exclusive podcast once per week. So you won't get that on the normal platforms such as Spotify, such as Stitcher, Deezer, Pandora, iHeartRadio, iTunes, all the rest of it. You will get that only in our Telegram channel. So get joined up to our Telegram channel. And I know we have a lot of new Telegram subscribers. Thank you all very much. Uh, that means a lot to us. Um, if you're looking to uh, pass this along uh, to other people in our Telegram channel, it's a public channel. You can go into the Manage Channel section. You can copy our link. You can send it out to other people. We would appreciate that as well. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us and you don't want to do... Well, <laughs> if we can't do it on... <laughs> can't do it on social media anymore they just they they cut us off social media they banned us if you want to reach out to us you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at tips.dynamicindependence.com and we would ask you to pass this along to friends family and known associates we're trying to grow our audience here as much as possible we do need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that so if you could pass this along we would appreciate that again we're available everywhere you get your podcasts with the exception of soundcloud and we are on telegram also if you're rating podcast if you could drop over to whatever respective platform you listen to us on that has a rating system and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience we would appreciate that as well five stars would be a plus thank you very much that'll do it for this evening gentlemen thank you all very much uh bruce i will see you tomorrow and like i said you guys are welcome to come back in uh, anytime but uh, have a good night guys good night, good night. thank you